From Utah Public Radio, this is Undisciplined. I'm Matthew LaPlante. I happened to have been in the crowd in Las Vegas on September 13th, 2021, when something happened that had never happened before in NFL history. And I've got to be honest here, I didn't realize anything special was happening at all. Here's Steve Levy's call on ESPN from that night. Third and seven. Jackson trying to get out, can't do it. He's taken down and it's out. And the Raiders have recovered it. Carl Nassib had the hit on Jackson, who was down. It was the Las Vegas Raiders 2021 season opener against the Baltimore Ravens. And Carl Nassib forced a fumble from the Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, in overtime, leading to a Raiders recovery and a winning touchdown. That's what everybody was cheering about in Vegas. But there was something else that made that play, that moment, a big deal. Because Nassif on that day had become the first openly gay player to play in a game in the National Football League. retired earlier this year, and when he did, I got to thinking about the unremarkableness of that day. At the end of the game, it was the Raiders' comeback win that all of the Raiders fans were talking about. And yeah, they were talking about Nassib, but they were talking about that tackle. That was pretty much it. Ted Keon was also interested in how people were talking after Nassib came out in a statement posted to his Instagram account in June of 2021. Keon's research at Oklahoma State University focuses on sports media especially in its framing of gender, sex, orientation, and identity. And his paper on the media's reaction to Nassib's coming out was published in the Sport Journal. Ted Keon, welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me here. Ted, when you first heard that Carl Nassib had come out as gay, and, you know, if you can think back to before you had seen much of the media that you would later go on and study for the paper that you wrote, when when you just first heard the news, what did you expect the media coverage was going to be like? Well, I've been researching athletes who've come out since John Amici became the first in, former NBA player to come out, all right, back in 2007. So I had a pretty good idea of what to expect, and that is that the media, uh, the mass media, would praise uh, uh, for coming out and, you know, for having the guts to do so in what has historically been construed as the most masculine, quote-unquote, tough guy sport uh, uh, in American professional sports, which is the NFL. Um, And and that's exactly what we found out in the research. Now, that wasn't always the case. You know, going back, I've I've studied Amici's coming out, uh, Jason Collins, uh, who became the first active a professional athlete from one of the four major professional team sports in America. I know the MLS is catching the NHL, but still also the NBA, right? Yeah. Yeah. But still, but still considered what the four major ones are the NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL from historic sense. And then Michael Sam, who was drafted in the NFL after coming out following his uh, star studded career at the university of Missouri drafted by the Rams, cut by the Rams, at the end of training camp and uh, picked up by the Cowboys practice squad, but was never on an active 53 man roster. So never played in the NFL. So I had an idea of what to expect in terms of uh, how media would frame that. And, and, and that, that played out exactly in this study, but you have to research it to see, you know, how, how are they going to, how are they going to write? How are they going to talk about an athlete coming out? And that, that has changed over time since athletes started coming out. 
Well, and let's talk about that change, but let's first talk about those four themes that you found in the coverage that you reviewed of NASIB's coming out. Journalists reported it was historic news. They reported it in the context of NASIB's desire to help at-risk youth. Uh, They reported on the fact that he was getting lots of support from the NFL. And then there's this other quizzical thing where his coming out without significant backlash was making people wonder why more NFL players weren't out. And so these were the four themes, and these were all, as you said, generally positive. That's what you expected to see. Yeah, the only one that was not truly positive was, you know, a couple of people noted that there there weren't a lot of current NFL players who were making positive comments on his coming out, you know, supportive messages. Uh, now, you could you could view that as a positive, saying that it's not really news, you know, it's, they, it's not remarkable, right? It's not remarkable, but you know that's in contrast to when Jason Collins came out uh, in the NBA, uh, um, you know, a few years earlier, and LeBron James and then Kobe Bryant, et cetera, many others who came out publicly to congratulate him. Uh, the only two players or recent players of significance, recent players, uh, would be Saquon Barkley, the running back for the Giants, who was a teammate uh, of Carl's at Penn State. And then J.J. Watt, who had, you know, uh, at this time, uh, I believe he had just retired. Um, So those guys came out. Bo Jackson, probably the best athlete of my lifetime, came out in support. But you would expect to see, you know, 50 or 100 NFL players on their uh, uh, Twitter, or I guess you call it X now, uh, uh, and and Facebook posts, uh, you know, congratulating uh, um, Carl, and, and they weren't doing that. Um, so that could be construed as a negative by some, but it could also be construed as a positive, saying they didn't see it as news. You know, the other frames were sort of expected, which were that journalists were going to, you know, point out how big of a day this was. They were focusing uh, on this historic moment, but then, you know, then the game took center stage. Uh, um, you know, was one major theme. Uh, you know, as far as that goes. But the, you know, another thing that was interesting too, though, was that uh, um, you know that you know they they claimed it was historic news. But the beauty of it was that they focused on why he was doing this. When Carl came out, he did so through a brief Instagram post that, you know, there was no buildup to it. No agent knew about it. And he just said he was donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project, which helps at-risk LGBT youth. All right. And that's in contrast to like when John Amici came out, he was doing it. He did. He came out while promoting a book. All right. And that received backlash. And that was one of the themes that didn't materialize so much was this question of Nassib's motive for coming out, that it was, you know, that's something that, as you said, other gay athletes had had to contend with in other leagues, speculation that they might be doing it to promote a book or to get endorsements or that. That didn't happen with Carl. And, and yes, exactly. And, and, and a large part for that was the way he came out on a low-key Instagram post, uh, you know, not not booking a bunch of media appearances not promoting a book, et cetera. And not apparently like to get ahead of a scandal or anything either. It wasn't, it doesn't seem like there was any risk that he was going to be outed. No, he was not going to be outed and and nothing has come out in that, in that respect since then, you know, there were, you know, in terms of Michael Sam, you know, that his, his sexual orientation was sort of, um, you know, an an open secret at the university of Missouri. A lot of people knew that, Uh, you know, and we knew that that may have come out later on down the road. And there were leaks about this, about him coming out for two months beforehand. I, I got a call 
two weeks beforehand saying that a major player in the draft was going to come out. Uh, whereas in this case, it was just sort of out of the blue. And, you know, he did it from his uh, from his hometown during the offseason. And, you know, life went on in the NFL. And that was part of the research that that uh, there was there wasn't a backlash. You know, the journalists praised it, but there wasn't. And obviously, Roger Goodell, you know, that Roger Goodell's brother uh, is openly gay. Right. And Roger Roger brags about beating people up for picking on his brother when he was a kid. Yes, and he's received a lot of uh, 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 you know support for for his you know for you know for Roger Goodell has for being openly uh, pro LGBT and pro LGBT rights, uh, which is something you don't see often historically in a sport like football. Uh, you know, so the you know the the owners, the you know the the teams, the organizations, you know, especially using their social media, were very supportive of it. You know, it did, there was a little bit of a backlash from fans when the NFL put out a tweet, you know, in a video saying we are all gay. Uh, that was not received well by some on Twitter, but that wasn't part of this research, which looked at media framing uh, and not fan framing. Uh, framing, by that I mean, is framing is how the media portrays and presents, you know, a, a story, right? The idea being that media framed uh, Carl's as a positive and historic occasion. And then let's talk a little bit more about framing, because one of the frameworks that you referred to earlier that, again, wasn't in the stories that you reviewed in this most recent case, but had been really prevalent in coverage of other pro athletes that had come out was the either on or off the record comments of other athletes saying unsupportive things like when John Amici came out. There was this, you know, really well publicized comment from Tim Hardaway, the legendary basketball player, Tim Hardaway, who reacted to that news by saying, and I've got it right here. And the quote's horrible. I hate gay people. So I let it be known. I don't like gay people and I don't like to be around gay people. I'm homophobic. And you should say Hardaway has later apologized for these in, in more recent years for saying these things. But that was part of the story was the negative reaction from some other players in the league. Well, absolutely. And, and you know, that that received more attention when Amici came out than just Amici coming out. <laughs> right. Because Tim Hardaway was a perennial five-time All-Star. Uh, he claimed afterwards that he had been blackballed from the NBA and kept out of the Hall of Fame because of these comments, but he was just inducted into the Hall of Fame in, in 2022 uh, due to his on-court success. But the another one to look at was Acera Tuello. Acera Tuello was a, uh, a large nose tackle that played with the Packers, uh, um, you know, and the Vikings and other teams and the Jaguars. In, uh, and he played, when he came out on HBO Real Sports in 2002, Sterling Sharp, who was an all-pro receiver for the Packers uh, and, and the brother of Shannon Sharp uh, from the Broncos, who's now on TV, he came out and said, Sterling Sharp said that if he'd come out during the week, he wouldn't have made it to Sunday. All right. And Garrison Hurst, who at that time was a star tailback for the 49ers, used the F word in describing Tuella. Um, so there was no kind of reaction like that, but that's where we've gone from, from the idea of football players being openly homophobic and, and, you know, talking about it too. And, and certainly there still are players that are not accepting of LGBT, uh, uh, athletes or lifestyles, uh, but they are, they've, you know, become wise to it from their agents, from media relations specialists, not to go on homophobic tangents, the way that Hardaway and Garrison Hurst and, uh, John Rocker and other athletes have in the past. And, and because of this, because there wasn't any sort of like seething resentment or public statements of 
uh, non-support. I think one of the themes that came out of Nassib's uh, coming out story was this observation and question like, look, Carl's been accepted warmly. So why haven't more gay players come out? And and I am curious about what you think is going on there, because look like Carl retires and now we're back to an NFL without any openly uh, gay players. Uh, we're actually in a situation right now where the four major professional uh, team sports at the highest level do not have any openly gay players because Jason Collins has retired again from the NBA. Uh, Nassib, Michael Sam's career is over. He's officially retired. Major League uh, Baseball hasn't had has never had an active player come out. Um, you know, as I said, just Collins and uh, uh, Nassib have been the only ones from the major sport. And the surprisingly, the NHL has never had a current or former player come out. Um, there's a lot of speculation on why this is uh, marketing, uh, acceptance from your family, community, et cetera. But, you know, the athletes that have come out, none of them are household names. In fact, you would have to be a, a hardcore NFL, you know, NBA, MLB fan to even know who these people are. All right. Billy Bean was one that came out in baseball. Most people associate that name with the guy from Moneyball, who was the Oakland A's executive, except for it's a different Billy Bean with a different last uh, spelling of the last name. Right, you know? right, right. Dave Copay was probably the best player to ever come out. He came out after his career with the 49ers was over. Uh, his nickname was Dave Psycho Copay, and he was a borderline, you know, Pro Bowl type player, you know. Uh, um, but, you know, most people did not know who he was unless you were a 49ers fan or a, you know, a very serious NFL fan uh, during that time period. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but I go back to some research I did years ago where a well known journalist told me that a baseball player, and, you know, a, a name that I can't give the name, but most Major League Baseball fans would would hear the name and, and recognize the name, not a Hall of Fame player. And he said that that player, a former player, obviously, and he said that player was on his deathbed being tended to by his longtime gay partner. All right. As he was dying of cancer. And the journalist asked him, knew the player very well and said, do you want to come out now and tell your story? And the uh, player went on a homophobic tirade of how he did not want to be remembered using a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, you know, profane, profane words, uh, uh, you know, that could be used to describe gay men and went on a tirade with his partner right there. All right. Wow, the so self-loathing there is just that's heartbreaking. Yes. But the point being that he was saying for his family, his legacy, things along that line. You know, and of course, this was obviously an older individual who had grown up in a different time period than than kids are growing up now. So this may change in the future, but we've been waiting a long time for a superstar athlete to come out. And, you know, Cheryl Swoops came out uh, uh, from the WNBA. Um, she, she was, you know, she's bisexual. Um, and we've had athletes in individual sports like Greg Luganis, Brian Botano, et cetera, uh, you know, a few boxers, uh, things like that, but but not from the the major team sports superstar athletes, the ones that everybody would know, you know? Is it possible that part of what is happening here is that there isn't an equivalent representative sample of gay players in men's professional leagues because gay kids at some point are made to feel unwelcome when they're coming up in youth and high school and college sports. And they're, you know, to, they're, they're not getting the same opportunities because they're feeling not part of the community. And of course, community is why 
we do sports. It's, you know, I, I don't have to look back too far. You probably don't either to remember times in which, you know, like homophobia was just part of the playing field. That wasn't that long ago. And in many communities, that still is the case in youth sports. Yes. Now you hit on an interesting subject though. Obviously when I was growing up and I'm, I'm North of 50, you know, you would, you would hear homophobic slurs playing little league sports. You would, uh, the worst thing a coach could do would be called, would be, you know, comparing you to a girl. All right. You know, in, in, which was very sexist, obviously, and uh, misogynistic, but that, that you still probably hear a little bit of that on the playing fields, less so the open homophobia, although I'm sure it still exists. But what you hit on, though, as far as their theories on this, there's no definitive research. I have a research partner named Eric Anderson uh, who researches this topic probably more than anybody in the world. He's, he's an American, former track athlete, uh, but he's based at a university in the UK. And his theory based on anecdotal interviews, all right, so we're not talking about, you know, a large research study, is that, you know, gay athletes may actually be overrepresented in certain sports like football, wrestling, that what we construe as more masculine sports. And let me, let me be clear that the, what is construed as masculine and feminine sports is, is socially construed and it varies by culture and time, right? Um, but Eric's research found that there were actually more men who were uh, gay men that were going to play these kind of sports like football, et cetera, to try to hide their feelings or their identity, right? Uh, in other words, if you are if if you are a young man growing up, and, and as you said, culture does matter. Where are you growing up? What's your community, your family like? And you you know you have these feelings, you know, uh, uh, and, and you know, and you believe that you are gay, or at least you have uh, gay feelings. And, and, and you know, um, what better way to hide that than to go play football, baseball, basketball, wrestling? Because then there's an assumption that you are straight. All right. Eric's research, which, again, is anecdotal based on a few interviews, is that there and he's interviewed NFL players who are in the closet. And they said they got into football and stayed in football in part because it helped, you know, confirm their masculinity, their toughness, et cetera, and help them hide uh, uh, their sexual orientation from others. And, you know, support exists on this sort of spectrum, right? Like you you can hear from someone support. They can say support. And then you can also know for a fact that what they're saying doesn't align to how they act in private. Um, you know, the example I'm thinking of here of this latent homophobia that exists in NFL locker rooms and many other places was spotlighted just a few months after Nassib came out when his coach at the Raiders, John Gruden, resigned after it was revealed that he had engaged in lots of really antagonistic, homophobic, hateful conversations during his time as a television analyst. So here's a guy who, you know, when Carl came out, said, you know, I love this man. He's part of our team, you know, said all of the right things, but did maintain in private some of these views that would have been very hurtful. Yeah, absolutely. And and that was part of the thing. And he actually, Carl commented on that, how disappointed he was. Of course, in that those when those Gruden emails came out, it wasn't just homophobia. He also made a lot of sexist comments, some racist comments. And that was uh, done to the former, you know, head of the of Washington. Now, now it's called the Washington Commanders football franchise. You know, those were private emails that, you know, that he sent to a, to a, t- to a team on an official team uh, uh, email, you know? Right. 
Uh, yeah, Gruden so, really hit the trifecta on that one. Pretty much, yes. He was an equal opportunity bigot, if you want to say that, you know, uh, in the sense that he didn't just discriminate on that. But obviously, you know, he said all these things publicly, and and that's what you're going to have. You don't really know somebody's true feelings, but there's also athletes that can change over time. I mean, the late Kobe Bryant was an example of that. He berated an official, you know, used a bunch of homo- homophobic derogatory and received a lot of criticism for that and afterwards was determined to make amends, and, you know, not only financially, but speaking out uh, in terms of pro-LGBT issues. Uh, it was one of the most outspoken and supportive when Jason Collins came out, et cetera. And uh, so you could see athletes change over time, just like everybody else can change their views over time in that respect. Much of the professional media environment was supportive of Nasib's coming out. Publicly, at least, players and coaches were supportive. But our media ecosystem is huge. And of course, these days, this includes social media. So even if players can be fairly assured that when and if they come out, the traditional media isn't going to be hostile and fellow players and coaches are going to either keep their mouth shut or be affirming that's not all they have to contend with these days, right? Because again, so much of our media environment is social media. And there's, I mean, this is not news to anybody. Social media can be really, really toxic. Yeah, we did. I've looked at uh, social media, uh, uh, you know, comments, responses to athletes coming out. I looked at that from Michael Sam and Jason Collins, looked at uh, Twitter posts. And I've also looked at um, comments under articles, all right, posted on websites, newspaper websites, et cetera. All right. And obviously that's more of a mixed bag where you're going to have some that are openly homophobic, some that put in, you know, uh, various biblical verses that could be used uh, to, you know, to, to, to support discrimination against LGBT, uh, um, you know, et cetera. And, and you're going to have others that make comments. And But generally what you now see is you see more of comments, sarcastic comments like, who cares? Why is this news? You know, the irony of the who cares meme at this point is that I think everybody wants to get there, right? I mean, like everybody, you know, particularly supporters of uh, LGBTQ uh, neighbors, friends, fellow Americans, whatever, want to get to who cares. Um, You know, it's been 75, 76 years since Jackie Robinson, but there's still racism in baseball. So I, you know, I don't want to suggest that there's some time in the near future that there won't be homophobia in men's professional sports. But it's also been like 60-something years since the last Major League Baseball team to integrate, which was the Boston Red Sox, uh, had done that. So it's been, it's been a long time since a player's race was something even worthy of media attention, which I think is encompassed in this, you know, who cares idea. So I'm wondering what you think, like how long will it be before a person's sexual identity is actually a non-issue from a media perspective and a social media perspective in men's professional sports? Well, not, not until we have multiple openly gay athletes in every professional sport. There are 1,696 players on NFL 53-man rosters. That does not include players that are on IR, other various types of lists, or the 16-man practice squads for each of the 32 franchises. And from that list, there are no openly gay athletes, which obviously there are gay players in the NFL right now uh, from that you know 1,800-plus players 
uh, you know, more like, well, excuse me, 2,000 plus players on those various types of roster status. So until you have more openly gay players in every sport, it's going to be an issue. And until we have, you mentioned Jackie Robinson, but until you have a superstar trailblazer, right? Somebody that is comes out during their prime, who is an all-star, well-known household name in a major professional sport, and then you see the media coverage of that and it starts dying away, right? Because all we've had right now are players that, that only hardcore fans would know who they are. So until we have a public figure come out that could be followed and have that media coverage of him to where uh, it dies down. And notice I said him. That's an important to note because there are multiple out superstars in the WNBA. Um, it, it is seen as more accepting uh, in professional women's sports to come out and more accepting in the locker room. Uh, and obviously, you know, some of our best women's soccer players in this country uh, Rapino and Abby Wambach, they, they come out publicly, but we, we're just not seeing that on the men's side yet. Even though there are plenty of gay athletes, they're just not open to the public yet. That's Ted Keon. He's a professor at Oklahoma State University, where his work is focused on sports media, especially in its framing of gender, sex, orientation, and identity. His paper on the media's reaction to Carl Nassib's coming out was published in the Sport Journal. Ted Keon, thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me. Have a great day, okay? Undisciplined is a production of Utah Public Radio. And if you happen to live in Utah, you can listen to us on UPR every Thursday morning at 1030 and for a little while longer on KCPW at 10 on Thursday at noon on Sunday. If you miss us then, you can listen to every episode of Undisciplined wherever you get your podcasts. And however you listen, please consider giving your support to public radio. You can do that at donate.nprstations.org slash UPR. Our producer is Claire Scott. Our theme music is Little Idea by Benjamin Tissot. And I'm Matthew LaPlante. Thanks for listening. Now go have big ideas.